Great to see you in worship today. We're finishing uh, eight weeks, right? Uh, we're finishing today the series on the family. Uh, table talk. Uh, you know, most of what you learned, or a lot of what you learned, a lot of impressionable moments for you, and a lot of probably how your mindset was structured and formed was around the table. Growing up with uh, family, and, and uh, even today, I still think, that when we get together, so many formative things happen around our family tables. And so we've just been trying to, you know, come around the table, so to speak, think about the family. We've spent, a couple, we've spent some weeks talking about family principles. Again, these things are um, on the screens. They're on the app. Um, a lot of information today. All you have to do is sign in to Uversion and the event. It'll bring you right up to the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. This is stuff that you can look at instead of trying to write it down. Or you can save it and look at it later. But uh, just some of the stuff we've talked about with the family. We've talked about uh, three weeks of, of, of marriage. And again, I, I just hope you sink your teeth into those phrases of seek God, um, fight fair, have fun, stay pure, and never give up. Uh, I think these, I, lo I love these uh, short uh, things that I can remember and it reminds me, oh yeah, as I'm in uh, dealing with, uh, you know, marriage, um, oh yeah, I need to fight fair, or, uh, have fun, and, and all those things we try to talk about. Last week we talked about parenting. Uh, we want to finish that today. Two weeks is never sufficient to talk about this big subject, but we're going to try. We're giving you a big information dump honestly, and uh, just want to whet your appetite, want to cause you to start to think maybe about this or that. I want you to, to uh, just be able to take some stuff away and, and think about it. And uh, remember, with parenting, it's one of the most complex um, things uh, to, do, to deal with. Remember last week I, I said it's so true. I've seen good parents have awful kids and I've seen awful parents have good kids and I can't explain it, right? And the scriptures really um, honestly don't say a ton about family but uh, a lot of times the examples we have in family is like what not to do, you know? So uh, we're just trying to, to grab some things to, to bite into, so to speak, um, last week, we, we just looked at Ephesians 6, 4, um, and basically what uh, the Lord is trying to communicate to us in this one verse, this um, pointed verse to parents, as he says, one, don't frustrate your kids, don't exasperate your kids, don't provoke them to wrath, any kind of phrase you want to use from different versions, but the idea is, is... <clears throat> realize that you have an awesome responsibility and don't abuse it. I think that's what he's trying to say. The first thing he says to parents was, hey, realize that what you've been entrusted with can be very easily abused. And so don't do that. Don't frustrate your kids. Don't exasperate them. But then he also finishes that verse, but bring them up, raise them, train them up, in instruction or nurture and the admonition or training of the Lord. And so he's also saying, embrace, embrace the discipline and teaching that comes with the territory. Don't shy away. You are God's instrument to set your kids 
toward the path he has for him. You're a key part of what his, how he's designed things for them to realize the life that he has for them. And so don't, don't shy away from the responsibility that you have. Uh, and that is, is instruction and training and discipline. But today I want to think about one other aspect that I believe the scriptures are highlighting out. And uh, I, I'll tell you, one of the, the, the biggest ways that I realized this, the biggest way that I realized this, was honestly through the, uh, the best gift that I ever received, or one of the most impactful gifts I've ever received. Um, you say, what does a little box from Hobby Lobby... Um, how is that a, 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 a most impactful gift in your life? The back of it says, Happy Father's Day, I love you, Keegan, 2015. Here's what this box says, and I still remember unwrapping this. It says, some people don't believe in heroes, but they haven't met my dad. And I want to tell you, when I open that up, it was like a ton of bricks hit me. I had two things I remember. I realized, well, I have never put hero and myself in the same sentence. I didn't realize. And I was blown away by the fact that somebody actually thought I was a hero. You know, I don't see myself that way at all. The second thing I realized was, Evidently you do. What are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about that? And I think that what I want to emphasize from Scripture today is the fact that as parents, we have been given a role that is so impactful and influential that actually we have been given the opportunity or the ability to be those hero-type figures in our kid's life. And what that gives us the ability to do is to create a legacy. To create a legacy. You want to know, this was important in the Old Testament. Scriptures over and over reminded them, talked to them about this. How you live your life matters. What you do with your life impacts far more than just you. Your kids, your grandkids. You know, in America, we, when we talk about family, most often we just, you know, hey, how's your family? Who's your family? We talk about our kids, right? It's pretty immediate, but in most cultures, and definitely in the biblical cultures that are, are represented, represented, it was far more than just um, who was your mom and dad. In fact, if they'd ask you who your family was, a lot of times people would start with, well, my great-great-grandpa was, and my grandpa was, and my, because they, they realized this. And God intently taught them that the way you live your life, the opportunity you have as being a part of a family and being a parent can be something that either positively creates 
opportunity for your kids and grandkids, or it can negatively create, I wouldn't say opportunity, I'd say junk for your kids and grandkids. You see, as parents, it's far more than figuring out how do I do this right and this right and how do I, you know, how do I manage this or treat this. It's bigger than that. As a parent, you and I have the opportunity to be figures in our kids' lives that point them, that create a path for them, that show them a way, that create a legacy for them. Um, Psalms, I'm going to be honest, I cherry-picked a few verses because there's a lot of them. Psalms 112. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. I don't think it's any mistake that the way that works is you who fear the Lord and follow his word This is the promise to you. Proverbs says this, a good person leaves an inheritance for their their children's children. And so parenting is far beyond um, 18 years, or yeah, for me it's gonna be like what? Um, By the time Selah's 18, Keegan will be, it'll be like 27 years, Right? And maybe even longer if they stay in the house longer. You you know what I mean? But, I mean, it's going to be a wide amount of years that I'm going to have kids with me in the home. But really, parenting goes way far beyond that. Beyond that. In fact, it is a lifelong, lifelong responsibility that you and I have to point the way for our kids to show them, to create a legacy for them to follow after and to succeed in. Um, This is the one statement I want you to leave with. Leave your children a heritage, not just an inheritance. Amen? So much of our culture, our, our culture That's one of the things that we're consumed with is leaving an inheritance for our kids. But really the scriptures call us beyond something far beyond just, hey, you're gonna get this and this and this and I got this for you. It's leaving them a heritage. Something that lives way beyond the material stuff. I remember uh, reading about Jonathan Edwards a religious figure in our, our, in our nation's past, famous preacher. Um, him and his wife really, really were intent on raising their kids in, 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 uh, <clears throat> in this kind of way. And uh, you can read about how they, they approached this, how they attempted this, how they grabbed a hold of this. And it was like a 100 years later that somebody decided because they began to notice their descendants of Jonathan Edwards, they began to notice, wow, look at what has happened 
through their life, the legacy they started. And they started to look at all the descendants. In fact, they, they were able to find 1,400 descendants of Jonathan Edwards. And this is what they found. A hundred lawyers and a dean of a law school. Now, that's probably not as popular or great today, right? We all tend to sometimes, hey, being a lawyer is a great profession. But uh, anyway, I won't go there. So maybe you don't think that's positive, 100 lawyers. But that was 80 holders of public office, 65 doctors, a dean of a medical school, 65 professors, 30 judges, 13 college presidents, three mayors of large cities, three governors of states, three United States senators, one controller of the U.S. Treasury, and one vice president of the United States. Basically, Jonathan Edwards really, really, really believed that the life he was going to live mattered far beyond when he died. And he was intent on leaving a legacy. You know, I've been reminded this week of my own family. My own family, my mom. My mom's mom um, came from a family that even today, if you were to go up around Petoskey, Michigan, some of you guys go up there for vacation, right? That's where my mom's family's from, a lot of them. Um, last name's Thorpe. Um, still Thorpe's up in there. And, and really the legacy of my, fam- my mom's side of the family, though, was pretty much most of them were alcoholics, were drunks. That's the legacy. Generation after generation after generation. In fact, my grandma just kept right on that cycle, right? Um, she was, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what party girl, whatever you want to call it. Uh, in fact, my mom um, uh, never really knew her dad until way later in her life because of this whole scene, you, you know what I mean, and um, a lot of that. And that was the legacy of my family on that side. And probably that would have been easy for to be my legacy, right? On and on and on. But you know what? My grandma, somewhere along in her 20s, somehow was invited to church and found the Lord. Or the Lord found her. We know, we know how this works. But, um, and her whole life changed. Her whole life changed. And because her whole life changed, my mom's life changed. My mom probably should have been, if it could have continued on, she'd have, you know, maybe been an alcoholic or maybe been that life. But it changed. Grace changed, stopped the cycle, started a new cycle, started a new thing. And now it's carried down into to my generation. My dad's side of the family, my, my grandma and grandpa, um, uh, East Texas people, uh, got married right before he went to serve in World War II. He was right there like D-Day, a couple days after, I think, came through liberating France. Um, came home, they settled in close to Dallas, lived a pretty nominal life, just uh, doing their own thing. But for some reason, they end up going to a church on a Sunday morning, a Nazarene church in Dallas. And um, in that church service, the, uh, there was an invitation, and my grandma went forward, my mamma. And that morning, she, Jesus Christ became her Lord and Savior. My grandpa was pretty upset about that. He thought it was pretty unnecessary. What were you doing? I'm not ever going back. You can do that on your own. Well, for whatever reason, he ended up in church that night with her again on Sunday night. That night, 
he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. They became, my grandpa felt like he was called to pastoral ministry, so they went to a Nazarene universe, same one Ken went to, um, became pastors. Long story short, my grandma and grandpa, who for years the legacy didn't have anything to do with Jesus Christ, really. Generation after generation after generation. Jesus was just something maybe you put on the wall. Or, you, you know, you, they gave their life completely to full-time Christian ministry. So much so that my grandpa died prematurely at 60 years old. Because he was serving, he was head over a, a, a missions organization. He had went to do some mission work with that organization. He was just, he was his immune system was depleted. He was working really, really hard. He got, he got to where he was at. He uh, ate some food, contracted a disease. His body couldn't fight it off, and within a month, he was dead. The legacy for years and generations after generation was nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And yet, grace stopped it. And in fact, my grandpa gave his life, literally, for the Lord, literally, in mission work. And that has impacted my mom and dad, right? All the kids on that side of the family, all believers, grandkids, believers. The whole dynamic is totally shifted. You see how this can work? They took it on, they believed that what they did, how they lived mattered way beyond just them and they created a legacy and that's what we can do that's what we're called to do um there's a saying you know from the west dead men tell no tales um and it implies that the knowledge and the influence of the people the deceased it goes with them to the grave never to be heard again but that's truly not the way life is that's truly not the way life is each one of us, it has a legacy. It's not if, it's what is the legacy you're leaving. Because even when you're dead and gone, how you lived and what manner you lived mattered and influenced, especially, especially your family. And so, <clears throat> I want to just kind of tackle for a moment, okay, so you're telling me that parenting is, is also about legacy. It's beyond just figuring out right technique and, and this and that and biblical uh, instruction here or there, but yet it is about uh, living a life that influences my kids, my grandkids. It lives beyond me. What do I need to know? What do I need to know? And I just drop these things with you. One, effective parenting or legacy parenting begins with positive, clear-cut objectives. Um, Larry Crabb is a famous biblical counselor, um, writer, author, who has written for years, and I think he is so accurate with this, that the two basic human condition, or human needs that all of us have, every one of us, 
the most basic human needs we have, are security and significance. Those are the things that our lives, we need more than anything else. We try to find more than anything else. Security and significance. The scriptures resonate this. God is all absolutely interested in security. There is no more secure place to be than be a child of God. Right? That's why he writes things in Romans chapter 8. You know, nothing can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, your Lord. What's he trying to communicate to us always? Jesus, as he talked about being the good shepherd, giving his life for his sheep. God is is trying to help us see that one of the basic needs we have is security. We need to be secure. We need to know that we're secure and that God has provided ultimately for us to be a part of his family through Jesus Christ and that provides ultimate security but also significance, significance. The scriptures are full, are full of what God wants to do with your life, right? He's created you to use the gifts and talents that he's given to you to work and build his kingdom. That's what he's interested in. That's what brings us the most significance, right? That's how we, why we read all the time, people are, are striving to matter we want to matter we want to know our lives make a difference we just want to matter we want to know that we're loved we can love and be loved and we want to know that we matter security and significance and the scriptures man they are full of God showing us how this works as parents there's a lot of objectives you can have as legacy parents but I would say it is so important for you and I to understand that our kids need to realize these two basic needs and conditions. They're secure and they're significant. And if I am going to um, have kids that experience God's love, that experience God's will, that know God's plan and are used by God, then they have to understand how much he loves them, how much he is is there for them, the security that they can find in him, and then the significance that he brings to their life and what he wants to do with their life. Now, I would say, honestly, that if that's going to happen, if you're going to parent in a way that creates that kind of legacy and your kids grab that, then you have to be experiencing that yourself, right? You have to know security. You have to know significance. And and it's amazing how often I have felt like when I've sat down with people and talked to them and said, hey, you know, what do you feel like God wants to do with your life? What do you feel like, okay, if if the ultimate objective is to know Jesus and to live his life out, what does that look like for you? What does he want to do with you? What are the gifts and the talents that he's given to you? I don't really know. It's like, wow, what in the world? God is not hiding that from you. And God is not going to play cat and mouse with you on that. And God is not gonna, you know, he does have a plan, a will for your life. And he's constructed and designed you in a certain way that he already knows, hey, 
I want to use them in this way. Hey, they're a kidney in the body of Christ. Hey, they're a liver in the body of Christ. Hey, they're a finger or a hand. Remember, he uses that analogy of the body. As it works together, it functions together, it becomes healthy and effective. He knows what that is. And so we've got to be experiencing that and then communicating that to our kids. And it creates a legacy of knowing security and significance. I would also say that effective parenting demands that we practice what we preach. Uh, There's no way you're ever going to, and my iPad just went dead, so I'm flying without notes. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) This could get really interesting. Yeah, effective parenting demands, we'll see what you say at the end. (laughs) Effective parenting demands we practice what we preach. This makes sense, right? But honestly, this is really, really, really at the core of what God shows us about being a parent. It's the principle of modeling. It's the idea that more is caught than taught. It's why in the In Deuteronomy 6, when he's this, hey, parents, raise your kids. When you're walking in the way, teach them. When you're sitting down, what's the first thing he starts that with? You love God with all your mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Legacy parenting, if I want to be someone who creates a positive legacy for my kids to follow after and guides them in the way, and I'm somebody they can look up to, admire, and follow, it absolutely makes sense that I modeled, I've modeled what that is. And it's more caught than taught. Right? All of us know that because we can think of examples in our own lives and we're thinking of our parents, right? Or we're thinking of um, caught than taught. I would say effective parenting builds relationships that bond. Legacy parenting is about building relationships that are deep and intimate. Just as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit experience relationship at a deep level, and as he calls us to a, an intimate, deep relationship with him, he calls us to, in our families, have relationships that bond. It's really hard for kids to follow your example if they've never, if they've never felt a strong relationship with you. Right? Things like unconditional love. I shared this in the first service and somebody said something to me afterwards. I don't know if I'm sharing too much, but, um, you know, I, I, uh, I was probably not the most, um, I was not the easiest kid on my parents. Is that a diplomatic way of saying it? I drove my mom to her knees. Um, Yeah. I created a lot of tension. Anyway, I don't want to say too much. I don't want to be a bad. But um, just let's just say that, okay? Um, My mom's prayer life got a lot better because of me. So I helped my mom, see? But you know what? Yeah, that's diplomatic. I'm trying to be... But you know what? All through those years, okay, read between the lines, there was one thing I always knew about my parents. Their love for me did not end. It wasn't based on my behavior at that present moment. 
they loved me. <laughs> they loved me. I knew. Yeah, they might be, they might be frustrated with my behavior, and they're, you know, but there was that unconditional love. You know what I'm talking about? That's so primary for us. If we're going to build relationships so that they can follow where we're going, what we're trying to see God work in our lives, they've got to know our unconditional love. Unconditional. I love you. Even if, you, you know, I was driving in line. I better be careful, okay. I'm going to share too many details. But I lived in Lima for three years, okay, when I was a sophomore, junior, and senior in high school. And those were, you know, the years. So I drive through Lima now and I think about things. Just thank the Lord, you know. But unconditional love. I I don't want you to think I was some, like, felon or something, okay? I wasn't. Scheduled time, focused attention, eye contact. Focused attention. Anybody have trouble with that? I do. I mean, you know, I'm thinking about what 16 things do I need to do and Sage wants to talk to me about this or Keegan wants to ask me, you know, for the 15th time that day, who do I think's better? You know, Joey Votto or somebody else. And I just, I really don't want to answer. I don't want to, but you know what? I, I, God helped me and I realize they need to know that they have my attention, my focused attention. I, they're important to me. I want to build a relationship with them. Eye contact, ongoing communication, meaningful touch, having fun together, praying together often. That's a biggie, I'm telling you. Don't ever underestimate the power of just stopping with your kids and praying about something. It's such a powerful thing. It shows our need and dependence on God. It shows that we recognize that we don't have the answers He does, and we're trusting him. That's ways that bind a relationship. I also would say this, effective legacy parenting requires constant and ongoing maintenance. It's in these phrases, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Your kids absolutely have to hear that from you. And if they're ever gonna follow where you're going, and if you're gonna create a positive legacy for them, they will have realized that dad or mom understood that they were not perfect, that they needed God's help, his mercy, his grace, and they were willing to acknowledge that. They were willing to be humble to us. I'll tell you, when that happens, kids believe in us so much more than if we get too stubborn. I'm never gonna admit I was wrong about that. Well, good luck with that because they know you were wrong and you know you were wrong. You're just not willing to admit it, right? And they lose respect. Why would they want to follow? You see what I mean? I'm sorry, please forgive me. I would remind you that in spiritual formation with our kids and mental development, that just the things of, of as we're raising in like zero to five years old, they're, they're really concrete thinking. It's rules are important. Rules are important. Understanding 
following rules, so to speak. You know, mommy says don't touch the stove, you know, and obviously there's reasons for that. But yes and no. At six and seven, you begin to have the chance to build that relationship, deepen that relationship. But then the 11 and 12 years come along and you're dealing with the reasons. You know, why? Why do I have to do this? Why do you want me to do this? Why do you make me do this? Why, 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 right? And then by 16 and 17, they're already beginning to resolve what they believe, where they're gonna go. It's amazing these numbers bear that out. 16, you know, most people have a a relationship with Jesus Christ that was started at a younger age. I mean, that's so true here. And so as we're, interested in in being a legacy parent helping them to to follow what we're saying what we're doing how we're leading we're mindful of these things we're mindful of principle of readiness like only teach children what they're mentally and emotionally capable of learning and never habitually do for your children what they can do for yourself what they can do for themselves oops it's just easier to pick the shoes up on my way up the stairs, right? But it's, it's this whole idea of, um, of providing a, 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 an environment where you're teaching them where they're at, you're intent on them catching what you're, what you're showing them, but then you're also developing them more and more and more to have responsibility. Chip Ingram says this. Um, you can go past that one. Three characteristics of righteous children. Three characteristics of righteous children. They make wise decisions, they keep their commitments, and they care genuinely for others. I'll tell you what, I believe that's exactly um, what God wants to see in my kid's life. In my life, make wise decisions, obviously we understand as biblical decisions. They keep their commitments, and they genuinely care for others. I believe in there is loving God and loving others with all your mind, soul, strength, and your neighbor as yourself. But for that to happen, I love what he says here. What are we supposed to teach them to make this happen? I don't know if you can read this. Can anybody read this? Struggling with this? This is important stuff. I love this stuff. What the scriptures would tell us. Teach them to suffer. That's impossible, that's encouraging. What I'm trying to say is teach them a theology of suffering. Suffering is normal in this life, amen? Has life went exactly how you planned? No way. Do you deal with some difficult things? Absolutely. Suffering is normal. And the sooner our kids begin to realize that life doesn't always go like you planned and things don't work out like you'd hoped, the better they are in being able to deal with that and adjusting. It's like I I listened to one of the foremost Christian uh, uh, psychologists this week talking about mistakes parents make. And you know what? Of the 12 things he said, it was like four or five of them were along this line of, Don't rescue your kids from consequences. Allow them to go through hard times. Allow them to experience hurt. 
as a parent, we're like, no, you know what the scriptures tell us? That suffering is actually an important part of our life, how we deal with it, what we do with it. God uses it to develop our character. And as parents, we're teaching them that, hey, as you suffer, as things don't go your way, as you get rejected from this job or you didn't go to this college, you have an opportunity here to grow closer to God and realize what he's wanting to do with your life and then how do you deal with that in developing the character he wants you to have? Amen? Teach them to suffer. Suffering is part of life. Teach them to work unto the Lord a theology of work. Um, help them understand that we were created to work. We were created to work. It's important to find what it is he wants us to do with our lives and to pour ourselves into it. Remember what he says, do everything heartily or with, with all your heart unto the Lord. Teach them to manage their lives, a theology of stewardship, faithful in all things. Faithful. You can be counted on. When you say you're going to do this, it's going to happen. Committed to something and you stick to it. You're faithful. How many times have we already realized that that's the reason why we've gotten to the place we are because we just kept going back in the next day. We kept at it and we didn't quit and we were faithful. You see what I mean? Absolutely. Teach them to discern between good and evil. A theology of holiness. Biblical conviction. This is what the word of God says. I don't care what the culture tells me or wants me to believe. This is what God's word says. This is who I am. I know this is right and good. And I know this is wrong and evil. And I am committed to the word of God. Teach them to live grace-filled lives, a theology of grace. We were created to receive grace and also do what? Give grace. Teach them that. And I believe Chip Ingram was the one who wrote these, but I totally, I think it's so great that if we will endeavor to do these things, we'll begin to create a legacy for our kids. What they see you do will lay the groundwork for what they do in times of crisis. I'm gonna tell you, there's a lot of scriptural stories, Old Testament stories that I could have landed on here. It's amazing how one saw their father act a certain way and they just reverted to that. They did it. They saw him do it, so they did it. It's amazing. What they see you do is what they will do. Two, actions don't merely speak louder than words. Many times they echo into the next generation. As a parent, you are living beyond your own life. What legacy are you going to leave? Leave your children a heritage, not just an inheritance. You know, as I close, I want to remind you, though, that I'm sure I'm talking to people in here today who are looking at me and saying, Chip, this is great. I wish I'd have heard this 30 years ago. 
or I wish I'd have taken this, or do you know how my relationship with my kids is? Do you know, do you know the mistakes I made? Do you know how I just didn't get it? Maybe I wasn't following the Lord, and, and you know how I messed this up? And so when I talk about something like this today, you're just like, well, <laughs> this makes me feel guilty when I leave here. It makes me feel hopeless. It makes me feel like good grief. I feel worse about myself than when I walked in. And I want to tell you, I don't have time to tell all the stories, but there are so many stories of relationships of parents with their children that they decided, you know what, it doesn't matter if it was burned. It doesn't matter if it was disconnected. It didn't matter if it was torn. At some point, one of them said, you know what, I just want to make this right. I want to connect again. And do you know how many times over and over when that happens, a legacy is born right then and carries on? So there's no, it's not past help. It's not past God's grace. And whatever that situation is, just allow the Lord through his grace to show you, maybe he just wants you to, to show up and say, you know what, I'm so sorry I was that way here. I don't know what happened with us, but can we, can we connect again? There's no time too late to start a legacy. I remind you of somebody standing next to Jesus on the cross. We still talk about this guy, don't we? We call him the thief on the cross. And he created a legacy that day, even in his last moments. Don't think it's too late. Don't throw in the towel on these relationships. God, through his mighty grace, can do things that you cannot imagine. Just open your heart to him, trust him, look to him to lead you. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord. Lord, we want to be the best parents we can be. Uh, man, I, I need a lot of help here. I, I have a lot to learn. I think all of us feel humble about that. None of us probably feel like we're perfect. I hope not. None of us feel like we've arrived. So, Lord, these things that we've shared, Lord, my prayer is that Maybe not all of it sticks, but one or two things stick with us and we leave here and we allow you to speak to us about it and then we allow you to work in our lives with it. I desperately want us to be people who as we raise our families, create a legacy where they follow and then the next generation and it's blessed just as you promised. The upright will be blessed. Their children will be blessed. And so, Lord, make that so in our lives. Help us to figure that out, I pray. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And for your sake, amen. Thank you. Have a great Sunday and have a great week.